Hey, welcome tonight, California Haunts Radio. How's everybody doing out there tonight? Well, I hope you're doing as good as I am. I'm in a nice air-conditioned room. As you can tell, I've got the air conditioner blasting in the back. It's 93, so it's kind of like almost spring weather. <laughs> but uh, it's great to be on tonight. My name is Charlotte. I'm your host, and I'm going to be spending the next hour with you. And I have a great guest on. I'm putting my journalism hat on tonight to talk with Mark Shaw, who is also a journalist. But Mark Shaw is a journalist for Gone Big Time. I was just a, I was just a local yokel journalist, and Mr. Shaw has written for USA Today, and been on uh, some of the cable news networks. So uh, I can't wait to talk to him. And we're going to be talking about JFK, uh, the assassination, and because uh, he's done a lot of research into that. So it's going to be interesting to talk with him. Mr. Shaw, how are you? All right, good. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you on, sir. Terrific. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I'll hide all the bad things. Uh, <laughs> I'm a, uh, you know, uh, gosh, uh, I don't know where to start exactly. I'm a former criminal defense lawyer, and then I covered a lot of the uh, major trials of the of the last uh, part of the 20th century and the first part, uh, Mike Tyson and O.J. and Kobe Bryant, some of those. Uh, but for the last uh, about 25 years or so, I've been an investigative reporter uh, turned author. I've written about almost 30 books now, and the last five have uh, touched on the uh, JFK assassination, which I got interested in a few years ago, and the new one, Collateral Damage, the uh, mysterious deaths of um, Marilyn Monroe, Dorothy Kilgallen, and the ties that bind them, connect them, to uh, Bobby Kennedy and the JFK assassination is my latest, and it kind of brings together all of the material that was in the best-selling The Reporter Who Knew Too Much and the follow-up book to that denial of justice. And so I'm all about justice and I'm all about trying to find the truth and uh, hopefully my books reflect that. Well, I, I, I did read The report, the uh, Reporter Who Knew Too Much and I was just absolutely fascinated by it. And I, and I heard you on the other guy's show, right? And so I was really intrigued by, by, by what you had to say because I know there's a big link to uh, Marilyn Monroe and all this as well, right? Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, I wasn't going to write this new book, um, Charlotte. I, I um, felt like that I'd done my uh, duty as a lawyer and a, and a uh, journalist and an author to write uh, the, the four books, uh, three or four books, uh, touching on the JFK assassination. I thought I'd given a pretty plausible uh, idea of what happened back then, and especially about the life and times of this remarkable journalist, uh, Dorothy Kilgallen, who we should talk about because she was uh, such an inspirational woman, a reporter of integrity who was the 
most credible reporter to have covered the JFK assassination interview, Jack Ruby and all of that. So I basically was going to quit, but so many of my supporters and readers around the world, I mean, there's almost two and a half million views of my presentations and interviews up on YouTube, including a new one, including on the new one, uh, Collateral Damage. And they kept asking me one question, and that was whether uh, the deaths of uh, Marilyn Monroe, the death of Marilyn Monroe was connected to the death of Dorothy Kilgallen. And they got that idea because uh, most people don't know that uh, Marilyn Monroe died in August of 1962. JFK died, of course, in November of 63. And then Dorothy Kilgallen died in uh, November of 1965. And in the new book, I've proven that each one of them uh, was murdered, basically, because they uh, got too close to the truth, especially the two women and of JFK, of course, uh, because of uh, of uh, the enemies that his brother had made before he died. Yeah, very interesting, very interesting. And how did you come across Dorothy Kilgallen stuff? Well, uh, you know, sometimes you feel like you might be getting a uh, nudge from the hereafter. I certainly do. I believe in those kind of things. And, you know, I had, I had written a book called The Poison Patriarch about the Kennedys and the fixing of the 1960 election when they believe they were going to lose to Richard Nixon, JFK was, and so uh, Joe Kennedy called in favors from some of his mafia friends and, and told them, you know, you help us win the election, we'll leave you alone when uh, the election is over in the White House, but uh, he double-crossed them by uh, having JFK appoint Bobby Kennedy Attorney General, and predictably, uh, Bobby Kennedy went after those mobsters, especially one of them, Carlos Marcello, in uh, in New Orleans, who... I have proved in my books was the man who orchestrated JFK's uh, death to uh, render Bobby Kennedy uh, powerless. And so uh, along the way, I kept hearing this name, Dorothy Kilgallen, but I didn't know anything about her. You know, many of your listeners may remember Dorothy uh, uh, chiefly because she was really a, uh, a star uh, panelist on a show called What's My Line? It was a quiz show on CBS that ran for 15 years, and Dorothy was one of the prominent panelist and kind of the star of the show, but uh, more than that, I learned that she was a uh, incredible uh, uh, journalist of integrity. She had a column called Voice of Broadway in uh, the New York Journal of America at that time, was syndicated to 200 newspapers across the country. Uh, she also had a radio show with her husband, listened to by a million people in New York every day, but more than that, she covered many of the high-profile trials of the 20th century, the Dr. Sam Shepard case. Uh, which became The Fugitive, the movie, and uh, the Lindbergh baby kidnapping case. And then, of course, uh, she was at the uh, Jack Ruby trial in Dallas in 1964 and was the only reporter to have interviewed uh, Jack Ruby. So after I learned about her, I really looked at her investigation of the JFK assassination and learned about all these um, columns she had written, uh, you know, challenging and, and basically calling ludicrous the Oswald alone file and all of that. And, uh, you know, really felt like that she was the answer that we needed to know exactly what happened back there. And so I was very privileged to, uh, to uh, I guess in many ways I would say, be contacted by Dorothy to tell her story because uh, she was found dead in uh, November of 1965 under mysterious circumstances. They said she died of an overdose of, uh, of barbiturates, but I've proven that she was murdered because actually she was the reporter who knew too much, as you read, mm -hmm. uh, because she was going to expose those who were involved in the JFK assassination in a book she was writing for Random House, and they just couldn't let her do that. Um, 
when she started her research, how, how did she go about doing that? I mean, was did, what, did she, you know, did she talk uh, to... The New York Post called her the most uh, powerful female voice in America. She's right. such an inspiration, uh, Charlotte, because um, she was a college dropout, and then she started with the New York Journal American, where her father was a journalist there and a well-known journalist. She overcame an awful lot of gender discrimination at that time. I mean... Women at that time were supposed to be not in, uh, only in the back seat of a car, but in the car behind. And so she overcame all that, and then she just worked her way up. And she, uh, you know, became she was a wonderful wordsmith. People can read a lot of her columns and look at photographs and and, and videotaped interviews with her and everything on the Dorothy Kilgallen Story dot org, the Dorothy Kilgallen Story dot org, which I created so people could know more about her. But um, Based on that, uh, you know, high uh, place in, in the in journalism industry, she had the best sources. And so when she started looking into the JFK assassination, uh, first of all, it was kind of personal with her. She had taken her youngest son, Carrie, to the White House, and JFK made a fuss over the little boy. And, uh, you know, uh, really, uh, you know, gave him a PT-109 pin and, and made a fuss over him. And that meant a lot to Dorothy. And so when JFK died, she wrote, uh, what I remember is a tall man stooping over a little boy, uh, praising him for the letters he brought from his third grade classmates. This is the man who was killed in Dallas, and she took it from there. And she wrote these columns. Uh, the first one was The Oswald File Must Not Close, and then she interviewed Ruby and wrote a column about here and she, her, and she wrote about ten columns about the JFK assassination. All of those are in... Uh, collateral damage, and uh, you can see that she was going against the grain. Uh, everyone else was buying J. Edgar Hoover's theory that it was Oswald alone, and Dorothy didn't believe that. She believed the real key was Jack Ruby, and so she kept uh, investigating the JFK assassination with him and Vaughn, with him as the key to it, and that led her to really discovering that uh, this uh, mafioso that I mentioned, Carlos Marcello in New Orleans, had the uh, strongest motive to have killed JFK because uh, Bobby Kennedy was hounding him, uh, Marcello, and Marcello decided he couldn't let that happen, so he orchestrated the JFK assassination to, to render Bobby powerless as Attorney General, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, uh, Bobby finally resigned as Attorney General and never bothered those guys again. So Dorothy had it all figured out, and she had gone to New Orleans to connect Marcello with Ruby and Oswald, and uh, she had done so, and so when she went back to New York, she made a big mistake. She started telling everybody she was going to crack the JFK assassination investigation wide open. Uh, she, she, she told her hairdressers, if the wrong people knew what I know about the JFK assassination, it would cost me my life. I'm afraid for my life and family. I bought a gun. And so, uh, you know, it was predictable uh, when she, she told everybody what she was going to do to expose those who had uh, planned the the assassination of JFK and those who had, had, uh, had uh, covered it up, uh, it was predictable that they couldn't let her write that book. And she was found dead then, as you remember, right. in her uh, townhouse uh, wearing uh, clothes that she would normally have read, that she would normally have worn to a party or something. She uh, had her hairpiece, her false eyelashes, and her, uh, and her makeup on. Nothing made sense with the death scene, but... When the police came, they found an empty bottle of Secondol and decided that she was just another celebrity who had overdosed. And uh, I've been able to prove that she, that's not what happened, that she was intentionally 
Um, her body was intentionally infected with three barbiturates, not one, according to the autopsy I found. And Dorothy Kilgallen uh, was murdered because uh, uh, she was such a, a threat to the truth. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And did she, uh, was, was she able to, in, in, uh, I'm sorry, did she have any contact with Marilyn Monroe at all, or um, did that, was that a separate thing? Yeah, well, what, what was amazing to me, Charlotte, was that once, uh, you know, I'd, I'd written the, 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 uh, the books and reported knew too much and all of that, I wasn't going to quit. But as I said, there were so many people who wanted to know if there was a connection between Marilyn and Dorothy, and so I looked into that. And right away, I, I you know, I'd always been kind of suspicious that Marilyn Monroe supposedly on August 4th, 1962, committed suicide. It just never made a lot of sense to me, but I went into this with an independent uh, viewpoint. But the first column that I found, first of all, I found that Dorothy and, and Marilyn were very good friends, and, and uh, there's a photograph in, in Collateral Damage that shows them uh, side by side and smiling and enjoying each other's company. And then I found a column that Dorothy had written about uh, Marilyn just before Marilyn died, it basically said she was in great spirits, um, she was on the upswing, she was going to parties in Hollywood and, and uh, getting a lot of attention, and then she said, and also she's uh, doing well in the, uh, in the romantic area, uh, basically she's uh, you know, involved with somebody whose name is, is bigger, a, a gentleman whose name is bigger than Joe DiMaggio, and if you may remember, Marilyn was at one point married, uh, married, uh, married to uh, the baseball right. uh, 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 Hall of Famer uh, Joe DiMaggio. So uh, I read all that, that she was involved with this man uh, bigger than, than Joe DiMaggio, and it made me wonder, it doesn't sound like this woman uh, would have been suicidal in 1962. And so that then led me on a journey that I, that I permit the reader to go with me on, um, I basically uh, resolved three true crime murder mysteries in this book. Uh, it's the first time that's ever been done. It's the first time anybody's ever connected the three deaths. And what I try to do is to lay out the evidence like a prosecutor would so people can kind of follow my research journey. And what they will, will learn is that uh, once I figured out that there was something uh, uh, wrong with the, with the suicide uh, verdict in Marilyn's death, uh, I immediately uh, went to the autopsies. Uh, that had been performed, autopsy had been performed on Marilyn's body, and uh, saw right away that um, uh, on the morning after she died, uh, it, the uh, death was listed as an accidental overdose, and five hours later it was uh, listed as a suicide. And that, as you know, the former criminal defense lawyer and all of that, investigative reporter, it made me wonder what the hell was going on. And so I, I began my uh, research journey really focused on exactly what happened to Marilyn when she died. And plus, didn't it take hours before they called the authorities? Well, uh, with Marilyn not, Marilyn, not so much. That was okay. Dorothy's case. Uh, when the police came, they waited several hours. With Marilyn, uh, the, the whole thing was a mess. Um, you know, the call was put into the police uh, uh, on the evening of, of August 4th uh, by her, uh, her physician who came to the house. Uh, the death scene had been compromised, everything had been moved around, all of that kind of thing. Uh, you know, witnesses had traced in and out, and there were no statements taken or anything else like that. And so uh, the death scene was just uh, completely compromised, uh, and any homicide detective will tell you that, you know, that just destroyed any possibility of, of uh, understanding better what had happened uh, to Marilyn. Uh, but Dorothy Kilgallen then uh, wrote a column that really questioned 
a lot of the uh, things that you know were were made public about her about Marilyn's death. One, uh, why was the light on in her bedroom? She always slept in the dark. Uh, why uh, why uh, was Marilyn found in the nude? She never uh, never slept in the nude. Uh, why, if she supposedly ingested forty to fifty pills? Uh, barbiturates, uh, why wasn't there a glass present in the bedroom where she would have had to use that uh, for water to take the pills? Uh, many, many questions that, that Dorothy had. And so, uh, you know, I basically was able to go ahead and, and use her guidelines to see what I could find. And that led me to wonder uh, if Marilyn did not commit suicide uh, and, and she was harmed, then who would have been in a position to have harmed her? And that led me to really looking into uh, uh, the kinds of uh, relationships with men that uh, Marilyn had just before she died. Now, everybody believes that she was really um, into a relationship with, with JFK, but she also was in a relationship with Robert, right? Yeah, and that was kind of a surprise for me, and it's been a surprise for the, the people who've read the new book, Collateral Damage. Uh, we all knew about the fact that uh, Marilyn had an affair with uh, JFK. Uh, if you recall, on his 45th birthday, mm -hmm. Marilyn, in this see-through sequence address, sang happy birthday to JFK at Madison Square Garden. And you can watch videos of that on YouTube and all of that. So after that, the two of them uh, had, a, had an affair. There is a photograph, the only one ever taken of actually Bobby, JFK, and uh, Marilyn uh, just after that happy birthday was sung. And so right away I thought, well, uh, a name bigger than Joe DiMaggio, well, that's got to be somebody pretty prominent. Mm -hmm. And so I centered on JFK. But I found out right away that uh, Joseph Kennedy, the father, had basically told JFK, listen, you're going to run for president again in 1964. You need to leave uh, Marilyn alone. And so he did. So that made me shift my focus over to Bobby Kennedy. And then I got two real breaks. Uh, the first one was that I found a letter from Jean Kennedy Smith, who is the sister of Bobby and JFK, to Marilyn. I'll paraphrase a bit, but basically it's in the book, and it said, I understand you and Marilyn are the new item, exclamation uh, mark. When Bobby comes back east, uh, we all think you should come with him. So that gave me a real... Uh, feeling that there was a, a relationship between Marilyn and uh, and Bobby Kennedy uh, before she died in 1962. And then I found a CIA document that uh, when I found it, it was one of those aha moments that you get because it basically, and I, I have it in the book as well, uh, everything in the book is based on uh, primary source witnesses or, or documents. I don't provide my own opinions. I let readers make up their own mind and I don't speculate. So. This CIA document, basically the first sentence in the first paragraph read, Robert F. Kennedy is having a torrid love affair with Marilyn Monroe, uh, and it, it, it is a sexual affair, and uh, to the extent that, uh, that uh, uh, Bobby Kennedy has told Marilyn that he is going to divorce Ethel Kennedy and marry Marilyn. And then it says, uh, but after a while, Marilyn figured out that that was not going to happen, and uh, was very, very upset uh, because uh, John Kennedy had basically dumped her and now Bobby Kennedy was going to do the same thing. And uh, she was just very distressed. Uh, this woman who was looking for love her whole life had gotten involved in the evil nest of the Kennedys. And uh, then I was able to 
uh, trying to see if Bobby Kennedy um, could have been involved in her death. And uh, the first obstacle was the fact that he had uh, an alibi. He had been in San Francisco, he said. And so I looked into that and I was able to completely destroy, destroy that alibi because not only uh, did the chief of police in, in Los Angeles uh, note that Bobby was in, the, in uh, Los Angeles on the day Marilyn died, uh, there was a police officer with the Beverly Hills Police Department who stopped the car uh, around midnight uh, after Marilyn died, and right in the car there was Bobby with Peter Lawford, the brother-in-law. And so we had that, uh, you know, uh, a particular account. And then the real, the real ceiling of uh, Bobby being in L.A. came through a uh, 20th Century Fox studio ledger that I found. I'll just read it to you. Uh, before 11 a.m. on August 4, 1962, a helicopter landed at the 20th Century Fox studio helipad near stage 14. Studio publicist Frank Neal, working that Saturday morning, said he saw Bobby Kennedy jump out of a helicopter and rush to a dark gray limousine waiting nearby. Neal said he got a glimpse of movie star Peter Lawford, brother-in-law to the Kennedys, sitting inside. And so knowing that, um, you know, Bobby actually had lied about him being in L.A., I was able to find a witness who said that uh, Bobby and... Uh, and uh, uh, Peter Lawford went to Marilyn's um, home uh, to try to, to talk to her and to try to calm her down. And the reason they did is because the CIA document, the second part of it, uh, again, was just a bombshell, not only talking about the sexual relationship between RFK and Marilyn, but it also talked about uh, the fact that Marilyn uh, was um, threatening to go to the media about her treatment by the Kennedys, saying that she had been treated like a piece of meat and passed around and all that kind of thing. And as people will read, uh, that, that document says that she said she was going to go to the media, threatened to go to the media with the love of, uh, tell about tell all about the Kennedy love affairs. But more than that, what really sealed her fate, in my opinion, is the next sentence, which said that basically uh, she was also going to go to the media and uh, tell them that uh, both Kennedys had given her uh, matters of national security to the effect that uh, one of them was that JFK was planning uh, the assassination of Fidel Castro. So you can imagine, Charlotte, with that threat hanging over the Kennedys' uh, heads, uh, you know, they could not let that, let her go to the media. It would destroy their, their lives, obviously, uh, both JFK and RFK. And so... Um, in the book, I give a plausible uh, means by which I think uh, Bobby Kennedy uh, hired some operatives, and those operatives then went to Marilyn's home and uh, poisoned her with bar barbiturates until she was dead. And then, um, because the sheriff didn't wasn't called right away, correct? Or, or, the, or the authorities weren't called right away because Peter Lawford was called, correct? Well, when the, when the, uh, when the psychiatrist, Marilyn's psychiatrist and her... Um, a doctor arrived at the home. Okay. Uh, there was some time there, and, and Dorothy Kilgallen even questioned this in that one column that I mentioned. Why, why was there some time lapse between when they got there and when they called the police? And that was one of the questions she had. Uh, you know, why, what, what were they doing? And um, the whole thing with regard to both of those men uh, was that, you know, uh, there's no way to really know exactly how they may have been involved in Marilyn's death. But the moment that, that they knew she was dead, both of them would have tried to protect themselves because the psychiatrist would have wondered, you know, if, if he could have been a suspect based on his relationship with Marilyn and the doctor as well because 
you know, they found those uh, barbiturates, uh, nembutal and chloral hydrate, in her uh, blood system, and so he could be suspected of giving her uh, too many drugs or whatever. Mm -hmm. and so both of them were, uh, I hope you don't mind my using the expression, covering their ass because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and waiting to, to, to talk to, you know, to call the police because they had to come up with a story uh, that would exonerate them from any suspicion of being involved in Marilyn's death. And like you say, I mean, Marilyn was, you know, the, 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 the story is from Dorothy, too, uh, is that Marilyn was not as despondent as, as we were led to believe, you know, at that point in her career. I mean, she had a lot to look forward to. Well, yes, and, and what happens there is, unfortunately, it happened with Dorothy, too. The rumors get around, for instance, with Dorothy that she had a drug problem and she drank too much and all of that, just absolutely false. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's kind of the rumors that go around sometimes like that with Marilyn. Um, you know, uh, for instance, the, 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 the masseuse she had said that she was in the best physical shape she'd been in years. Um, she was uh, very much hoping uh, she was getting an offer from Broadway to do a musical, which is something she always wanted to do. She was involved in uh, starting, a, uh, starting going back and continuing a movie for 20th Century Fox. She, she had just purchased the first home in her life. Uh, you know, she had a dog, which she had always wanted. And more than anything, Marilyn, who always coveted and wanted love, uh, she had hoped that uh, she and Joe, Joe DiMaggio could reconcile after her mess with Bobby Kennedy and the Kennedys and perhaps even have a child with him. So everything was on the upswing. And uh, unfortunately, what happened with the, with the autopsy was conducted by a man named uh, Dr. Thomas Noguchi, and your audience may remember him because... <laughs> He was involved in the Michael Jackson case and O.J. Simpson and um, other uh, big-time, uh, uh, you know, deaths and, and was always suspect. His, his analysis was always suspect. But in this case, uh, what happened is he conducted the autopsy. Um, as I said, they, they changed it from accidental overdose to suicide, but that wasn't the worst part because about two weeks after that autopsy was performed, he admitted he had made a mistake and forgotten to examine some of Marilyn's uh, inner organs, which could have made a difference in the uh, outcome of the autopsy. And uh, he even admitted that, hey, after I figured out that, that I needed to look at those organs, I went to try to find them, and they had been destroyed. And so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a denial of justice for, for, uh, for JFK. He should have never been killed, uh, except for uh, the enemies of his brother. You got mm -hmm. Dorothy Kilgallen, who, you know, was, was so close to the truth about the JFK assassination, then died, no investigation of her death at all. And then Maryland's was just a, a mess, as I say, the investigation. And so I've been, I, I wrote this book to hopefully to try to restore the uh, uh, reputations of these two, all three, but the reputations of both women, uh, because, uh, as I say, you know, they, they both were denied justice when they died. Well, getting back to what you just said about the, the enemies of, uh, of Robert Kennedy, can, can you elaborate yeah. on that a little bit? I, mean, I, I know we were talking earlier about it. Well, yes. And, you know, I, I, when I wrote my book, The Poison Patriarch, and then you read in the report into too much, right. I look at the JFK assassination differently than anybody has. I look at why Bobby Kennedy wasn't killed instead of why Jack Kennedy was. Why Bobby Kennedy wasn't killed instead of why Jack Kennedy was. And, and that's nothing knew because basically uh, the prosecutor of Jack Ruby at his trial, uh, I interviewed him, oh, uh, you know, several years ago when, when the other books were coming out, and he said, you know, I thought it would be Bobby Kennedy who would be killed, not, not Jack Kennedy. 
And uh, that was the feeling at the time. Bobby had many more enemies because he had pursued those uh, those mafia guys, Carlos Marcelo, Sam Giancana, Santo Traficante, all of them. And uh, you can't mess around with those guys. Uh, you know, he thought he could do it as attorney general, but it backfired on him when he deported Marcelo, who had connections to Dallas and all of that, and then uh, prosecuted him for racketeering. So at the end of 1963, as you get to November of 63, Marcelo decided, I can't let this continuing to continue to happen. And so if I kill, I hate Bobby Kennedy, and if I kill him, then uh, JFK will come after me with everything the government has. But if I kill JFK, Bobby Kennedy will be powerless, and that's exactly what happened. He resigned as attorney general and never bothered any of those guys again. Hmm. Wow. What a tangled web they weave. Yes, and, it, and it's just, it's really unfortunate because, as I said in the, in the book, um, you have to think about this, and I'll take it slow so your listeners and you can kind of absorb it and okay. give me your opinion. But if Bobby Kennedy, Charlotte, would have been prosecuted for uh, for Marilyn Monroe's death in 1962, based on all of the compelling evidence, the cover-ups, everything that happened. In fact, uh, Bobby's friend, the police chief in uh, in uh, Los Angeles, um, never conducted an investigation. He simply appointed three psychiatrists to look into Marilyn's uh, mental state before she died, and predictably they came back and said that she uh, she was suicidal, which made no sense whatsoever. But if there hadn't been an, an investigation and, and Bobby Kennedy would have been prosecuted, then you see he would have had to have resigned as attorney general to defend himself. So he would have been powerless, which means that those enemies of his, Marcello and the rest of us, rest of them wouldn't have had to have killed JFK to render Bobby powerless because he would have been powerless already. And then you, and so there would have been no JFK assassination. And you take that a step further, Dorothy Kilgallen wouldn't have been threatened and then killed in 1965 because she was too, 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 too close to the truth to exposing uh, the truth about the JFK assassination. Um, in, a book, in the book she was writing, about the JFK assassination, she wouldn't have done that because there would have been no JFK assassination. So basically, Bobby Kennedy's abuse of power and his involvement in Marilyn Monroe's death, uh, collateral damage of those actions cost the lives of uh, three men, three people, uh, Marilyn Monroe, uh, JFK, and Dorothy Kilgallen. Wow. And then, you know, um, Robert got, you know, was assassinated too, right? I mean, well, obviously, yeah. You know, the history books say that Robert was assassinated. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hear you. Go ahead. Uh, the history books say Robert was assassinated as well, correct? Well, yes, and people have asked me about that. He died in 1968, so that's three, three years after uh, Dorothy died. Um, do I think that there's a connection there? Yes. I think there is, but I haven't been able to, at this point to prove it. Uh, the whole situation with Bobby Kennedy is so suspect because Sirhan Sirhan, who was uh, finally convicted of, uh, of murdering uh, Jay, uh, uh, Bobby Kennedy, uh, I can't find any um, link to him to Carlos Marcello. But mm -hmm. you have to think that the person who benefited most from Bobby Kennedy uh, being dead was Marcello because I'm sure he figured that if Bobby Kennedy uh, you know, he was running for president, Bobby was, and if he was elected president, uh, and there are various accounts that uh, Bobby Kennedy basically said, I know who killed my brother, and obviously it was Carlos Marcello in New Orleans, then if, he, if Bobby Kennedy was uh, uh, elected uh, president, then uh, Marcello must have believed that 
RFK would come after him, and he couldn't let that happen. And so the motive is there for Marcelo to have silenced Bobby Kennedy, but as of yet, I haven't been able to prove that happened. I was just thinking of that when you were talking about it, that maybe, you know, um, you know, I'm not saying campaign promises or anything like that, but maybe um, there was something in there where he, maybe, maybe behind closed doors, he had, he had vowed to go public with, you know, you know, to gain his own popularity, to go public with, with he was going to go after who, whoever killed his, his, his uh, brother or to launch an investigation, and then they got cold feet and killed him. Yeah, I think that's, that's very possible. You know, uh, it's interesting the reaction that I get to uh, this book and, and even the Poison Patriot about the Kennedys. There are still people out there uh, who want to protect that image. And, uh, you know, I respect all opinions that people have, but the Kennedys were a bad, bad bunch. Mm -hmm. And uh, right from Joe, Joe Kennedy on down, uh, you know, he was a, he was a womanizer. He was... Uh, uh, dishonest in his business dealings. He was a friend of Adolf Hitler's during the war. Uh, I could go on and on, but, uh, you know, he, he was a bad guy. And then, unfortunately, the apple doesn't uh, drop very far from the tree. And so you have JFK being a womanizer and running around with every skirt he could find, and Bobby then doing that as well. And I think, uh, you know, uh, you, you can, the proof is in, you know, thinking about what's happened to the, what's happened to the Kennedys in their lives. A tragedy just over and over and over and over. Uh, you know, not only uh, with with JFK being killed, uh, but uh, also with uh, RFK being assassinated. And then you've got uh, Jeff Quiddick with Ted Kennedy. Uh, you've got John Kennedy Jr. Mm -hmm. uh, dying in a, a mysterious helicopter crash. And I could go on and on. Uh, even a couple years ago, I think it was one of the nephews of the of, uh, Bobby's and her small son uh, were uh, uh, washed up in, in uh, Chesapeake Bay and they died uh, being out on a rowboat or something. So they all they call it the curse of the Kennedys, but uh, I, I think it's more the fact that it all comes around. The way they led their lives, the way things they did, and especially uh, with Bobby, uh, there's no question that he was involved in, uh, in Marilyn Monroe's death. He should have been prosecuted. And so, uh, you know, it all comes around. And uh, with the Kennedys, I'm, I'm amazed at times that people want to remember Camelot and all of that, and right. that's fine to do. Uh, but these were people that, uh, you know, uh, harmed others and caused deaths and and uh, and so on and so forth uh, through the years. I mean, you can even think about the women that both Bo uh, Joe Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, and JFK, you know, made promises to and had sexual relations with and then dumped them. I mean... These were bad people, and, and, and people need to remember that side of them as well. Well, I mean, it's even happened in recent time, like you say, you know, with, with William Kennedy Smith, you know, with what yeah, happened with him with the date rape thing, you know. Um, I have a yeah. question in the chat room. What um, what became of Marcello? Uh, who was that? I'm looking. It says, yeah. What, what became of Marcello? Uh, oh, Marcello. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, he... he you look at, when you're looking at these uh, these uh, criminal acts, you look at motive, and you also look at benefit from the crime. Mm -hmm. The motive was there. There's no question about that. Benefit from the crime, well, uh, he had a $6 billion empire with all of the, the illegal things you can think of, uh, gaming and prostitution and drugs and all kinds of things in New Orleans. It stretched on to uh, Dallas, and so he had his hand in a lot of things there as well. But when Bobby Kennedy, uh, you know, when Jack Kennedy was killed, then Bobby Kennedy uh, 
didn't go after these, it didn't go after him for the next few months, and then Bobby Kennedy resigned as Attorney General, and uh, Marcello was not bothered again by them. Now, about uh, I don't know, I think it was six or seven years later, maybe somewhere in there, I think he was uh, convicted of bribery or something like that. He spent a small amount of time in prison, but basically he died a very, very rich man, and uh, and uh, you know, obviously his uh, his. Um, risk of eliminating JFK paid off uh, because uh, Bobby Kennedy could co- no longer come after him. Hmm. Man, there's just so many twists in this thing. You know, I don't think people realize it. Like you say, that, that, that I, and I know, you know, doing research on the Kennedys over the years, they weren't angels. You're right. You know, I'm, I mean, the whole, you know, started out with the bootlegging and all that. And people just don't realize it. But I guess, like you say, that, that you know, they choose to um, enjoy the dream. Well, you know, this, this is all about history. I'm a historian. I'm, I'm very pleased to, to tell people that I've honored my uh, university. Purdue University is going to archive all of my books, research books, notes, everything about me from day one. And so all of this information, including the Ruby trial transcripts and everything else, will be up on the Purdue uh, archival website uh, in the fall. But it's all about uh, history. And what really disturbs me is there's so much distortion of history out there. Uh, nowhere worse, I might add, and I will warn your listeners, at the, than at the Sixth Floor Museum at Daly Plaza in Dallas. It's basically uh, a shrine to Lee Harvey Oswald, and they won't permit any books uh, to the contrary. The exhibits they have are, are more than 10 years old. Uh, they don't tell anything about the truth with regard to really happen with the plot to kill the president. The Ruby trial transcripts, which show that you know, Jack Ruby was stalking Oswald before he shot him and how he got in the basement, all of that. Uh, none of that is presented. And all of the, when I was there about three years ago, two years ago, uh, I want to just scream because here were all these students and teachers going through that museum and distortions of history at the exhibits and everything else were there. And then there's these books uh, uh, that come out. And, and none of these authors do their homework. Uh, they weren't at the at the Jack Ruby trial, Dorothy Kilgallen was. And that's why I believe my books are credible, because I lean on her and her research. But they don't. They, and in fact, what they do is they ignore what she did. There's just a new one that's just come out that's just ridiculous. Uh, it, it's talking about Jack Ruby avenging uh, JFK's death by killing Oswald. <laughs> and this Dan Abrams, who's the author, I mean... Uh, I knew him from the, from the Mike Tyson trial, and I didn't trust him then, and I don't trust him now, but I'm told that he, he, he gave Dorothy Kilgallen two pages in that book and just completely ignored the fact that she wrote all these columns about the JFK assassination, just leaving it out. And, and that happens, and, and there's other ones like Gerald Posner. Even James Patterson got into the act here last year, uh, the novelist. He decided to write a book with a... If you can believe this, a National Enquirer reporter wow. called the Kennedys, and I looked at it and and I just wanted to throw up. For instance, one of the sources that they use, and I'm not discounting all uh, uh, psychics, but they used a psychic as one of the as one of the sources uh, without any credibility whatsoever. And it's the first time I've ever written uh, a, a long review on Amazon criticizing another author's book. But if you go on that. That uh, on the website for for the Kennedys, you'll see that you know I let them have it because it's just so much of a distortion of history, and that's what I try to 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 to, to rectify it with my books. You know, 
uh, try to uh, provide people, uh, you know, with, with credible research and then let them make up their own mind what happened. But uh, it's, it's just unfortunate. That sixth floor museum at Daly Plaza ought to be burned down, for God's sakes. That's terrible. You know, you got to give Dorothy Kilgallen credit because I, I know from, you know, personal stuff, you know, on my crime, on my crime beat, uh, that it's really hard to get any information out of any government or anything if, 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 if they want to cover it up. Well, it is. And, you know, I, I, I respect you, Charlotte, because you're a woman of the truth and you, and you, you know, you do everything you can to present guests like me and others, you know, that, that are, they're credible and, and have done their homework and done their research and all that other kind of thing. And that was some of the credibility of Dorothy Kilgallen. Uh, yeah, she had, uh, a, a, a column called Voice of Broadway, and some of it was about Broadway, and there may have been some gossip in there. But, but also she covered the major trials at the time. Excuse me, at the time, and politics, and all kinds of different things. Uh, uh, she had that credibility. And uh, unfortunately, today, the same thing with journalism. I'm sorry, I'm going to talk about this too, but it's the same thing with journalism today that, that I just expressed with regard to these authors I'm talking about. What they do, unfortunately, is they want to come up with a conclusion. And so they come up with that conclusion, and then they fit, they fit the evidence to the conclusion and, and ignore evidence that's contrary to the conclusion. Mm -hmm. And we see that in much of the journalism today as well. And, and that's really unfortunate. I mean, uh, today, uh, the news is just basically sensationalism. Uh, these uh, these journalists, uh, these newspaper reporters, and all of that, you know, with all of the the internet. I mean, oh, for God's sakes, I get so upset when people email me and say, "Well, I heard this about Marilyn on the internet, or I heard this about Dorothy or JFK." Wikipedia is is just absolutely has no credibility in anymore whatsoever, because people can go in there and change, um, you know, uh, documents and change. Uh, you know, uh, accounts of things and stuff like that. I've experienced that with myself, with my, with with my the page that's t t you know written about me to where I don't even look at it anymore because you know it just it just isn't even close to really the truth about anything that I that I've done. So I hate to get on a soapbox with this, but we need more people like you, uh, and I and I believe me who are are dedicated to the truth and want to give you know. Uh, especially young people, uh, you know, the kind of uh, information that they can rely on. And that's that's what we don't have much of today. Oh, you know what? It's a lot of work, but there's nothing like going down, you know, into archival files, into the courthouse, and, and really digging through stuff, to, you know, to, to find out the truth of what happened. Well, you're right. And, and unfortunately, I think what, what occurs is that many of these journalists and authors are, are lazy. But I'd like to, to uh, think that's the excuse. But for whatever reason, uh, you know, uh, I just think that they don't give a damn about the truth. They want to make headlines with what they're with their writing, and that's what this Abrams has done with this book of his. Uh, and it's just it's just unfortunate that they don't really care too much about what they're putting out there. It's all about them instead of being all about history, and that's what really concerns me. I do want to say that uh, one of the things that I did, you've heard about all of the uh, evidence and, and the uh, material that's in the book, you know, connecting the life and times and the deaths of Marilyn, uh, JFK, and Dorothy. But what I did at the end of the book uh, is to humanize each one of them. Uh, and I, I wanted uh, the, the reader to be able to know what they lost when 
they died at early ages. You know, Marilyn died at 36, JFK at 46, Dorothy at 52, what they lost and what we lost when they died. And so, for instance, uh, you know, if you take uh, Marilyn Monroe, uh, she was never able to uh, have a child as she wanted to. She was never able to do that Broadway play. She was never able to continue on and uh, make movie after movie. I mean, if you look at her in any movie, she takes up the screen. She's electric when she's on the screen, one of the most beautiful women in the world. Uh, she just bought a home for the first time. She owned a home. She just got a dog. She had everything going for her, and then she got involved with the Kennedys, and that was the end of her life. So that's what she lost. With JFK, he never got to play with Caroline or John John as they grew up. He never got to see that happen. Uh, and, and we don't know what he would have done as president. He, hopefully he would have made a, a great historical a contribution as, as his, his years of uh, serving as president went on. That didn't happen because he was killed. And with Dorothy, she, she, was, uh, she was a celebrity? Yes, she was, but she was also the mother of three children, young children. And so she never got to play with them. She never got to write any of her columns again. She never got to be on What's My Line anymore. So they, they lost so much when they died, and what did we, you know, and what did we lose? Well, we, we lost those, those people, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, who, who we, we would have loved to have seen uh, more of. We would have loved to have uh, learned from them and watched them and all that kind of thing. And that's what I tried to do at the end of the book is to kind of humanize them and, and let people know, you know, that these aren't just deaths that you, okay, well, they died and move on, that these deaths uh, were, were just uh, sad, very sad. None of these three, especially the two women, had to die. Oh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. What do you think, um, for as far as Dorothy's research goes, what, what, what was the biggest red herring for you, you know, within that research as far as the assassination? Yeah. Well, I, I think you had to realize, and again, as I say, this new book by Abrams, I mean, they just discount this. Uh, her her uh, being the only reporter out of 400 uh, to that at that uh, Jack Ruby trial to interview him, and she did it twice in the courtroom, and at the DorothyKilgallenStory.org, you can see confirmation of that from Ruby, Ruby's co-counsel, and uh, an interview there. And uh, that, that was the thing that really set me off with looking at her seriously in terms of what she discovered about the JFK assassination, because every other reporter in the world wanted those interviews. And for whatever she, uh, whatever she learned from him, that she went to New Orleans and then she was going to write this book and all of that, and she had really figured out exactly what happened. And in the book, uh, people will see that I've, I've confirmed the fact that she was going to connect uh, Carlos Marcello, uh, Jack Ruby, and Lee Harvey Oswald, and so, but it was that uh, that um, interview with Ruby that stuck out in my mind and made me believe that hey, I've got to I've got to research this woman more, and I've got to watch because maybe she's going to guide me to certain evidence that I would otherwise uh, ignore. And I, I must tell you, uh, people may think that I'm a little wacky, but I have no uh, compunction to say. Uh, that uh, I know that Dorothy kind of guided me through an awful lot of the research uh, regarding her life and times of death, the JFK assassination, and I kind of have the feeling that she uh, uh, kind of nudged me to look into Marilyn's death as well. That's terrific. That's terrific. What um, do, do you think that the JFK assassination could have been prevented if Bobby hadn't been so dirty? Well, there's, I don't think there's any question about it. 
and, and people have asked me, well, well, why did it get overlooked at the time? Well, actually, you know, they just they just covered it up uh, with the, with the uh, L.A. Police Department and all of that, police chief and all of that. But uh, there's another indication of uh, how seriously the Kennedys took all of this. In the book, I quote another book uh, by Frank Capel, who was a journalist at the time, called The Strange Death of Marilyn Monroe. And uh, it's a short book, about 78 pages, but it laid out all of the facts, just like I do, uh, a prosecutor would, uh, what Bobby Kennedy was really like, how ruthless he was, how he wanted to upstage his brother, the president, how he wanted a a trophy uh, as, as a girlfriend, Marilyn. Uh, how he ran around with every Hollywood star he could. Uh, you know, the way that he went after the mafia. I mean, he really, in, in, in this book, goes after all of that. And then he details uh, the, the, the sexual relationship with Marilyn and how it started. He's got uh, ledgers in there as to um, Bobby Kennedy being at the Beverly Hills Hotel uh, near the time Marilyn was, uh, died. Uh, he's got witness accounts uh, showing Bobby Kennedy uh, being at Peter Lawford's uh, uh, beachfront home in Malibu. He's got all of that material in there, but more, he, he sets out exactly like I have in the book, how he believes that Marilyn was silenced and everything. So you go to 1964, and, and that book is published. And I found oh. FBI documents uh, where Capel uh, met with the FBI and told them what he had found out. And in the FBI memo, uh, basically, it says, you know, uh, some of, uh, basically, some of what Capel has alleged is true, and some of it is very, very difficult to uh, prove. And then there's some that is skeptical, and so on and so forth. But to show you um, what what they thought of the book, they gave a copy to Bobby Kennedy. And uh, in that in the FBI memo, it says that basically he wouldn't cooperate with them at all. But the order was kind of given. The order kind of came down that the FBI agents imagine this, should go out and buy as many copies of Capel's book as possible, the Kennedys would do the same, so that basically they could confiscate uh, all of those uh, 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 books and uh, and uh, not let people read them. And to me, that is uh, proof positive that they knew that what Capel had written in his book uh, was the truth. Wow. That's, that's something. You know, wow, that just that just blows me away. Yes, me too. When I when I saw it, me too. I will tell you. Now, um, Lee Harvey, let's talk a lot Lee Harvey Oswald for a second because there's there's always some um, discussion about him being that that that, that great of a shooter. Do, do you think that he acted alone with that shooting? Well, I must tell you, I, I don't. Uh, I didn't focus much on on Oswald after uh, Dorothy felt the same way. He was a mm-hmm. he was a confused character, a very complex character, and there were so many stories about him and whether he was involved or not, and all that kind of thing. Right. And, and then you look at Daily Plaza and where did the shots come from, and the caliber of the bullets, and the, you know the book depository, and where was Oswald, and so on and so forth that way. And so um, I, I have to tell you that uh, once I, I figured out that Dorothy basically had um, decided to ignore Oswald and move on to Ruby, that's where I went as well. Uh, but there are confusing, uh, you know, accounts of, of how or if, how and why Oswald may have been involved in the, in the JFK assassination. But 
there's another person who was denied justice, right? Because he was killed before he could um, have a fair trial. And so we'll never know. I mean, there can be all this conjecture and rumor and everything else uh, that, that, that people can, you know, argue all of that forever. But uh, nothing came from, from Oswald's lips except that uh, I was a patsy. Mm -hmm. which uh, I think Dorothy believed was true, that uh, he had been set up to uh, to uh, be involved in JFK's assassination, and then Ruby was brought along by the same uh, operatives of Marcello to close uh, Oswald's uh, lips, and that's exactly what happened. And so that that's an area that uh, I've stayed away from some because the only way to really get involved with it is to speculate, and I don't do that. Okay, no problem there. I, I fully understand, completely. Um, what do you think um, is the most compelling information to come out of all this? Well, I think uh, a lot of the the, uh, the reader uh, reaction and, and, uh, and interview uh, reaction and everything has been just the revelation that, uh, you know, Bobby Kennedy was obviously uh, responsible for Marilyn Monroe's death. First, that there was that love affair because people – may have had a hint of it, but they had no idea how intense it was or anything. And I think that is the surprise there. Uh, and, and hopefully, you know, through my through my research, I've been able to, you know, set it out like a prosecutor was uh, would if, if Bobby Kennedy was being prosecuted for the murder uh, of, of uh, complicity in the murder of Marilyn Monroe. So I think that is the, is the thing that... Uh, uh, the piece of evidence that surprises and shocks uh, most people. Uh, the other is that obviously if, if Bobby would have been prosecuted, then there would have been no JFK assassination. And so uh, I think those are the headline-making uh, parts of the book. Uh, and also the connection, you know, for the first time. Nobody ever did this before, and I, I almost missed it too uh, because I was going to quit uh, after the books on the JFK assassination and on Dorothy. But uh, one way or another, maybe a nudge from Dorothy, I looked into Marilyn's death, and, and I think, uh, you know, again, uh, there, there are people out there who are always going to protect the image of the Kennedys. I understand that. They love them, and they want to always love them, and that's the end. And so, you know, I've been ridiculed for, for bringing these allegations against uh, Bobby Kennedy, but just like anybody else, he needs to be held accountable for what he did when Marilyn died. You know, a thought that I just had was, you know, J JFK put Bobby in, in a high position, but maybe Bobby, and I, and I know you don't like to talk about conjecture, but these, the conjecture with these thoughts are coming to my head, um, yeah. that maybe Bobby didn't just want to be in the position he was in, he, he wanted to be president. And maybe that, that's why a lot of this went down, too. Well, you know, Joe Kennedy, um, you know, was ambassador after all of his becoming a millionaire and powerful and everything else. He was appointed ambassador to Great Britain. And uh, he, he spent time over there just before World War II. And Joe uh, kind of uh, cornered up to Adolf Hitler, basically pacifying Hitler, and he's okay, and he's not going to, you know, try to run the world or take over the world or whatever. And so that got around, and finally Franklin Roosevelt recalled him from, from, uh, from England. And Joe Kennedy came back a little bit in disgrace. Well, he said, what the hell? You know, I want to be president. That's what I thought would happen after I was ambassador. But if I can't be president, then uh, I'll make my son's president using my money and power. And he actually had the uh, dream, or what he thought would be reality. Uh, Joe Kennedy Jr., his son, 
uh, would be president first, although, mm -hmm. but then Joe got killed, Joe Jr. got killed in the war. So then next up is Jack Kennedy, John Kennedy. Well, he'll uh, be president for eight years, and then uh, Bobby Kennedy will be president for eight years, and then Ted Kennedy will be uh, president for eight years. And so that's 24 years of a Kennedy, Kennedy dynasty. And he really thought that was going to happen. And, and I'm sure to the day he died, he thought it was going to happen. But he made a huge mistake when he ordered JFK to appoint Bobby Kennedy attorney general. Mm -hmm. And he should have known that Bobby was going to go after those mobsters. And, you know, I mean, I, I have a personal story. I'll tell you very quickly, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, what can happen when you mess around with those guys? When I was a correspondent for Good Morning America, uh, I was asked to go to uh, at, at, at Philadelphia and interview the lawyer for a mobster there. Uh, the mobster was uh, Angelo Bruno. And so uh, they said that his lawyer would talk to me. So I went over and I interviewed him, sat down with him, and he said some things to me about how the mafia was going to infiltrate Atlantic City that I didn't think he should say on national television. So the next day, that interview uh, aired on ABC's Good Morning America, and the response was amazing. And the producer called me right away and said, Mark, why don't you stay in Philadelphia, see if he'll talk to you again. So I called uh, the office, and this woman answered, and I said, uh, this is Mark Shaw with GMA, and I'd like to talk to Mr. I've forgotten his name, but the lawyer. And there was a silence, and then I thought I heard her kind of sniffling, and I said, are you okay? And I guess, and she came back on the phone, and she, she said, "I'll never forget this." I, and Mr. Shaw, I guess you don't know uh, when uh, John, I think his name was John, when John started his car, car this morning, it blew up. <gasps> wow! You, you cannot mess around with those those guys. Uh, they have their own set of rules, and because John opened his mouth, he was a dead man. And and that's exactly what happened when when you know. When Bobby Kennedy went after those guys, he took a risk that he could be a big shot and put the mafia out of business and all of that. Well, basically, by doing so, he killed his brother. Hmm. I can see that. I can see that. Just like Dorothy Kilgallen, you know, what you said in the beginning of, of the show about her talk, about her, I don't want to say mouthing off, but, you know, kind of spreading spreading the word that, that she had all this information on that and that, you know, and, and it got around, it got around, it got around, and then boom, that was that. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, and, that's, and then, unfortunately, that's what Marilyn did when she threatened to go to the media with uh, the, those facts about the Kennedys. They, they couldn't let that happen. And so we lost two beautiful, lovely, inspirational, remarkable women who should have never died. And you know, there's, I'll just to leave you with this. There's a little saying over by my writing table, and it says, The dead uh, cannot cry out for justice. It is the duty of the living to do so for them. And so I hope I've kind of become uh, Marilyn and Dorothy's voices, and I'm going to keep trying. I've sent a long letter to the L.A. Uh, County District Attorney asking him to uh, investigate, uh, reinvestigate uh, Marilyn's death based on all the evidence in my book, which I sent to him, Collateral Damage. Mm -hmm. And uh, the New York uh, NYPD police, uh, NYPD cold case squad, uh, I was contacted by them, and hopefully they're going to look into to Dorothy's death. So I'm going to still fight for justice for both of these women because, uh, as I say, they should have never been killed uh, in the 1960s. Absolutely. I thank you so much for coming on. It, it, this was absolutely fascinating. Well, thank you. I appreciate it so much. As I say, you're a woman of the truth, and you <laughs> certainly have my respect.
Well, thank you. And I'd love to get you on again if that's a possibility. I'd be happy to. Thanks so much. Sounds good. Thank you. And have a good evening. Okay. Well, that was a great show. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself talking with this gentleman. Hopefully he'll come back on at a later time. We did have some audio difficulties. I was trying to, in fact, at one point uh, when the camera came back on, I, I was down on the ground trying to figure out where the audio difficulties were coming from, but I couldn't quite pin it down because it comes and goes. So I don't know. So I'll have to figure that one out. It could be my internet setting. You know, this, this, like I said, I don't have the best internet in the world. Anyway, if you enjoyed this show, share it with others. You can see I even had this because I thought maybe the uh, air conditioning was affecting the mic where, where the cell phone sits when I was talking to this gentleman. But anyway, um, if you like this show, share it with others. Okay. Share it with five people. We want to get the word out. We're pushing to get the word out. So uh, share it with five people. Also, if you like the show, donate. Donate some cash here. Um, we're not the the group. It's the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team is nonprofit, and uh, so everything we do is for free to just to help people and to keep all this running. You know, it's coming out of pocket, and so every little bit helps us, and we really appreciate it as a team. And again, the T-shirts. If you guys want to check out this this website at www.californiahauntsradio.com, check it out the day after tomorrow. I'm going to have uh, the T-shirts up. So you guys can can purchase those. And again, anything we get goes either into equipment for the team to investigate to help people or it comes back into this so that I can keep keep things going on the web and, and all that good stuff. But anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. And before we leave, I do have links to his website and I do have links to how for how you can get his book. And also our guest on, two, on Wednesday is going to be really cool. This gentleman um, died twice. He died twice at the hospital, and he had two separate uh, near-death experiences, and he decided he was so overwhelmed by these experiences he had that he um, wanted to write a book about it, and it took him three years to write the book about it. But uh, he's going to be on with us Wednesday, and he has a really, really cool, you know, cool stories to tell about his NDE. So I want to thank everybody for coming, and I do appreciate you putting up with the with all the audio stuff and I'm going to go ahead and show you the link to uh, Mark's website and how to get his book and I will see you on Wednesday.